Today's episode is sponsored by Amy Heisey, specializing in beautiful watercolor, Catholic art, and portraits. Prints and stickers of her artwork are available for sale through her Etsy shop, Amy Heisey Art. You can find the link in our show notes, by the way. You can also find her on Instagram for a behind-the-scenes look at how her paintings are created. Raw Storytellers podcast listeners can get 10% off their order with the code RUA. 10. This episode of Rua Storytellers is also brought to you by Catholic Body Image Coach and Rua co-founder Amanda Martinez-Beck. If you've struggled to embrace the body God gave you, or if your inner critic can't stop criticizing your body, Amanda can help. Rua listeners can get 20% off their first session by using the link in the show notes and on our webpage. Thank you for supporting these incredible Catholic businesses, listeners. Here is today's story. Nell O'Leary is the managing editor for Blessed Is She, a wife, mother of four, attorney turned editor, speaker, and writer. She loves her chocolate and hot milk, her grilled cheese partially charred, <laughs> and her laundry folded, but preferably by someone else. <laughs> she and her family live in St. Paul, Minnesota, where you can find more about her at wholeparentingfamily.com and on Instagram at either Blessed Is She or at Whole Parenting, as well as Facebook at the Blessed Is She Network. Listeners, we ask that you sit with us, pray with us, and learn with us as we listen to Nell's story of faith on our shared journey to the cross. Love your neighbor as yourself. I held out the folder of photos to the guy behind the photocopy shop counter. He shrugged and gestured over toward the colored printers. Yeah, you can copy them over there, I guess, he uttered before turning back to his pile of orders to ship. On my tiptoes, I could spy my dad's car through the windows, just beyond the bank of printers. His glasses perched on top of his balding head, his face buried in the newspaper. I hesitated and then moved further down to the color copy printers. I was 11 years old. Clutching the pictures I'd taken from my mom's leather-bound 1992 album, I carefully copied them one at a time. Shooting out onto the tray, one upon the other, my smiling face showed up as did my best friends. I stacked them, paid, and shuffled back out to the car over the snowbanks. All done! I chirped as I clicked my seatbelt, pushing extra hard as the metal never caught the first time. That afternoon, as I pored over craft paper, the newly printed pictures, my markers, and a glue stick, my mom popped her head in my room. Sure you don't want help with that? She asked and paused to smile before continuing. I think she's lucky to have a friend like you. The week prior on the carpool ride to gymnastics, my bestie shook her head. No, she didn't want to hear my rendition of that song from KDWB. And no... She hadn't seen me in the hallway at school when I had nearly passed out from waving to her. And no, she was sure we wouldn't be on the same soccer team this summer. Twelve-year-olds are with the older kids, not the younger ones. Duh. She snapped her gum, turned back toward the window. For as long as I had memories, 
She'd been my best friend, a year older, a year smarter, a year prettier, a year more independent. Was I her best friend? <sighs> Probably not, but I'd settle for friend even. And as my own older sister saw it unfold, this cycle of when she found me interesting, when her interest waned, when I scrambled to regain her interest, they tried taking turns, talking me out of it. But my little stubborn heart rose and fell with her attention barometer, not theirs. This photo album I pieced together of our first decade of life as friends, this proud physical affirmation of my worth in her life, it would make the perfect Christmas present. As I walked it up to her front door, my oldest sister waiting patiently in our station wagon on the narrow street, double parked with her hazards blinking, I knew, just knew that she would love me and care about us again. Just as soon as she opened it. That would make all the difference. Brother opened the door and called her down for me. I tucked my chin into my scarf and kicked the snow from one boot against the heel of the other. Exhaled, I looked up. She stood at the door laughing and calling out to what sounded like a party of girls in the kitchen. I'll be really quick. I'll be right back. Hi, what is this? It, it's for you, for me, I stammered. A an early Christmas present. I, I was hoping you could open it right now. She sat on the ground behind her, next to her mom's coat rack and her brother's ice skates, and said she had to go. Friends were waiting. Thanks. Bye-bye. If I had known how to love myself, maybe loving my neighbor with better proportionality would have been easier. Love your neighbor as yourself. Whenever I read this scripture from Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, 39, I nod thoughtfully and solemnly. Yes, love your neighbor so much. I nod along as if it's, that's the key. That's the ticket. That's the entrance into caritas love to love my neighbor to the nth degree, to do that task well, to be good at loving others. Now, these 25 years later, since that little girl turned on the porch of that stucco house, turned and ran with tears blurring her vision, ran back to the station wagon, slid into the back seat to muffled sobs. Now, I know there's a predicate to loving my neighbor. I must love myself. And not love myself in a self-absorbed way or a self-obsessed way or even a self-satisfying way. Love myself, honor my personhood because of who I am. God's daughter made in his image and likeness. Love myself like he loves me treasure and value the gifts he's given me, respect myself, and ensure others do too. This little girl, this former best friend, wasn't a mean girl. She wasn't even an unkind little girl, but the power I had given over to her, over my own self-esteem, was out of balance. It was disproportionate to the nature of our relationship. And later, years later, when I talked through the whys and hows of the demise of the friends with one of my sisters, she casually mentioned, you don't have to still try at the friendship. Some people just aren't naturally going to be friends. The magnitude of her comment hit me because I'd always thought being friends was part of Jesus's commandment in scripture. I had conflated friendship with love. And as adults, we've all come to know that we can love someone fiercely and not like them. It's called family, right? 
We can hold these two things in tension, love and healthy boundaries. It's a critical thing to do as an adult, actually. So for all the friends who've come and gone in our lives, for all the relationships we have chased, for all the times we've gone above and beyond and over the line, by handing over our self-worth to be determined by someone else, here is our reminder. God gives of our self-worth. We can try to derive it from our work, our furnishings, our fitness level, our relationship status, our vacation destination, but it's inherent and fixed in our identity that comes only from God alone. Let us let him love us and teach us to love ourselves. And then we can go on to love our neighbors, even the ones we don't like. Dipping into that same fountain of love, the source of all love, God himself. Carol Houselander. By your heaviness and fear in Gethsemane, comfort the oppressed and those who are afraid. By your loneliness facing the passion while the apostles slept, comfort those who face evil alone while the world sleeps. By your persistent prayer in anguish of anticipation, strengthen those who shrink from the unknown. By your humility, Lord, taking the comfort of angels, give us grace to help and to be helped by one another and in one another to comfort you, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.